All right, everybody, welcome to another episode of What's What VR. Today we have Sarah from Casa with us. How are you, Sarah? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. It's uh, unmiserably, miserably hot outside, even early in the morning these days. So I don't know. I know we're in August and it's only going to get worse for a little bit, then hopefully it'll cool down. Yeah. And then when it's not hot, it's raining. So that. Right? Yeah, it's like you get this little small glimmer in the morning and it's like hey this might be nice never mind humidity falls clouds fall (laughs) it's miserable you go inside you look back outside it's raining it's the story of my life so so appreciate you taking some time uh with us i think we've had you know we've had you guys come do some of the stuff on the show before but tell me what is it for anybody who missed some of the last or what is it you know what is casa um, so Capillary CASA, we're a nonprofit. Um, CASA stands for Court Appointed Special Advocate. Um, so we recruit, train, and supervise community volunteers to act as a voice for abused and neglected children who are currently in the foster care system. Mm. Sounds important, just as it was the last time. <laughs> so how does this work? You know, so if I try to break it down for somebody who's not, you know, in the middle of it, we've got younger children, you know, kids, I guess, was it minors under the age of 18? Yeah. Until, you know, it ranges from infants until age 18 when they age out of the system. Gotcha. So something's happened and it's not necessarily something that they did. It's not that it's something that they're a situation. They were more a victim of. Right, like we want people to know that these children are the victims in the situation. Sometimes people misunderstand what they do, and when we say juvenile court system, they think like, oh, they're juvenile delinquents, but these children did nothing wrong. They're the victims. They've been abused and neglected by their primary caregivers, and so the state has to come in, intervene, and take them out of that situation, and then place them in foster care or a group home to get them out of that abusive situation. So... I like to break it down real simple. It's, you know, if there was a family and the parents of a child did something wrong or they got arrested for something, they're into the system working through whatever it is, you know, they've got to go through, but that child is still sitting there and, or maybe it's one parent does something, or maybe it's a combination of the two. And then the court has to figure out where does this child land at the end of the day. Right. Right. Exactly. So, so how does that work? That's obviously, you know, there's not a, that's why you guys are here. There's not a company, you know, that's the court appointed. The court is appointing somebody to be that child's advocate, right? Right. So the kids have a caseworker and they have a lawyer. So a lot of times people don't understand, well, if they have those people, why do they need a CASA? Like, what does a CASA do? Why is that important? Well, those people, um, they're employed by the state. They have a lot of kids. They have a really large caseload and they don't have time to focus individually on each child. And I mean, CASA was started by a judge. Um, He wanted, he felt like he had to make these decisions about children. And, you know, the parent was saying one thing and then he didn't know if that was true or not. So he needed someone who was completely unbiased to stand up and advocate for the child and say, this is what's happening, this is what needs to happen. So as a CASA, you are going to, you know, visit with everyone in the child's life, as well as the child, the parents, any grandparents, any relative that's around the child, the foster parents, 
the teachers, the doctors, and you're going to get a very clear perspective of what's going on in this child's life so that you can write a court report for the judge and say, this is everything that's happening. And so the judge has more details to make a choice like, okay, does this, is this child okay to go back to their parents? Or as I mean, obviously if the parents are probably going to want the child back and let's say it's a situation where the parents are doing drugs and that's why the children were taken away. Well, are the parents going to tell the truth to the court that, you know, what are they doing? So it's the CASA that comes in and says, you know, the parents are going to rehab, they are attending their sessions, and so it is now a safe space. Or, no, they're not. They're not making any effort. So the child needs to stay in foster care. And I can imagine if we kind of run with that example that you're talking about, you know, the child doesn't know anything different. You know, if they've grown up in a family, unfortunately, where they've got, you know, parents with substance abuse, that's normal for the child. So if if a judge doesn't know anything about a child and just says, you know, is how is everything at home? And they go, it's normal. Well, that's not normal. And you need someone that can, I don't know if digs the right word, but to really, you know, take some time and invest, you know, in that child to see what's going on. Right. And that is a situation a lot of times where these children want to go back home and they're going to say, I want to go back home because even though this is not a great situation and they're being abused or neglected or whatever is happening, that's all they know. And it's still their family and it's still their parents. And so a lot of times they miss that and they want to go back home. They don't want to be at the foster care anymore. They want to be back where they're used to being. So a lot of times even the child doesn't really know. I mean, what they obviously don't know what's best for them. They just know what they want and it might not be the best for them. Yeah. I think I've heard, you know, the devil, you knows you know, maybe better than you don't know, but you know, the child doesn't know that, that that may not always be the case. So, right. so how does, this isn't, uh, from what I remember, and I'm trying to break, you know, kind of for everybody, but this isn't a sign up. You're, you're not fostering a child at this no. point. They're not coming to live with you. You're, no. you run them through, you guys have a kind of a training, you know, program or, yeah, we have a pretty, it's pretty, um, I don't want to say intense, but um, we do want to weed people out and we want people to know what they're going to be doing because this isn't like a big brother thing where you like mentor a child and you kind of like pop in and out whenever you want. Um, we need whoever the volunteer is to be committed to that child and consistently be around and be in their lives and be with them because a lot of times the CASA is like the only consistent adult present in the child's life. So um, we need them to be committed. So we do have, um, in person, it's about 32 hours. We are hoping, we just finished an in-person training um, last week. However, we're trying to do one in September, but we just don't know with everything going on with COVID, if it's going to be possible. We did, you know, use masks and socially distance for the training in July. And if we do another one, we, of course, will be safe and practice all of those standards again. However, at this time, I just, I can't say 100% if it's going to happen. Um, it is slated to start September 14th, if we have it. Um, if we don't have it, we still are offering virtual training where we send you everything via Google Classroom and you can just like do it on your own. And it's about 18 modules and you have six months to do it. It's not going to take that long. It's just, you know, you're doing it on your own time. So that takes a little less time because you're not like going to classes. You're just kind of doing it on your own. 
So that's about 18 hours. And so for somebody who's saying, you know, I like the idea of doing this, I can do this. If they go through that, whether it be in person or the online, you know, training certification, whatever, what we call it, does that put them on a required list at that point? Like when they get a phone call, is it like judges ordering like, Hey, you have to take, you know, this right now. And they're like, well, wait, I'm just, my life changed from three months ago and I can't do it right this minute. You know, are they on the hook? No, not at all. But um, I mean, we would hope if you went through the training and you put that much time and energy into it, that you would take a case, but we definitely have people that do the training and then something happens in their life whatever it may be, and they just can't take a case on at that time, and that's perfectly fine. Um, you can always come back later and take a case. Um, that doesn't happen often, because I think most people that go through the training, like, they want to take a case, but once you do take the case, you know, we would hope that you would stick with it. Although, you know, things happen in people's lives, and obviously, if you can't go on with it for whatever reason, we're, we'll make it work. You know, we'll make it work with you. Um, but yeah, it's just, once you do finish the training, we hope that you do take a case. And also I was asked this, um, recently, like, oh, do we just get like stuck with whatever you have? And that's not the case. I mean, you kind of get to choose, you kind of get to say like, okay, I really want to work with this age or I'm not comfortable working with this. So we we try and pair our volunteers with what they're comfortable working with. We're not going to stick you with, you know, something that you're not comfortable working with. If you're not comfortable working with, you know, babies for whatever reason, or you don't want a teenager, whatever it is, we'll, we'll try and, you know, fit, make it work for you. And that's, you you hit the word over, I was going to say is, you know, volunteer, this is volunteers that are needed right now. And you guys have a real need for, I can imagine it's always hard to get volunteers for a lot of things, but then if you throw a pandemic on the top of it, I'm sure that makes it even more difficult to get somebody. That's that's what really happened is that last year, we always need volunteers because kids are constantly being taken into the foster care system. However, um, last year with COVID and kids not going to school and being at home, I just don't think we were getting, like DCSF wasn't getting a lot of reports and they weren't visiting a lot you know, teachers or mandatory reporters and none of that was happening. So there was less of a need. And now with everything opening back up and schools being open again, we're having all of these cases that I think didn't get, you know, noticed last year. So we're getting a lot of cases. We're getting a lot of kids. Um, I want to say right now that we probably have 40 cases without a CASA. Um, it's more kids because we have siblings and we like to, obviously the siblings are considered one case. So I think we have about 60 kids. Um, we do try and keep the siblings together and they will just have one CASA unless it's like five siblings. And then we'll probably put like two volunteers on it because that's a lot for one person. Um, but yeah, just because of the pandemic, we're just seeing this huge influx of cases coming right now. So we need volunteers more than ever. Yeah, I would think I was talking to somebody, you know, prior, you know, when everything kind of first shut down, it literally was a shutdown, like courts were, from what I understand, I could be wrong, but I think the way it was explained, you know, it was was pretty much like, unless it was an emergency hearing of something, it wasn't happening. So it was okay because things were just getting, but then it got to a point where it was like, hey, we've got this huge backlog. 
And then we got to get through the backlog and then technology caught up and people realized that they could maybe do some of these hearings without having to be in a courtroom. And so now it, I can see where the needs come. It's like, Hey, court's now moving again. And we need volunteers to be able to help do that. Um, what does it mean, you know, at the end of the day when, so if I volunteer, I go through the training, I've been through everything. The phone call comes, Hey, you know, Brandon, we've got, you know, Joe, you know, he's eight years old. Here's the situation. Are you comfortable? Yes, I'm fine. I've got the time comfortable with the situation. Joe's not staying with me. We've covered that. I'm not a foster, you know, parent, but I need to go see Joe, right? You know, I'm going to talk to him. Is it a once a week, every three days? Is it very, is it just kind of as, you know, kind of how's that, what's that look tactically for somebody? So it's going to be different for every case. Um, we do say that it's going to be about five to 10 hours a month, but it just really varies on the case. Um, it, if you are just getting a case, you're probably going to spend a lot more time on it because you're going to need to go out and, like I said, visit with all of these people. You're going to have to meet your child, um, meet their parents, the foster parents, all those people in the child's life. After that initial, you know, meeting and talking to everyone, you're obviously going to have to go back and talk to them again consistently, and you're going to have to see your child consistently. But what that look, looks like just really depends on the case and on on the person too because I met with a volunteer yesterday and her and her husband are process together and they have a group of I think four or five siblings and these siblings were placed with their grandparents and or the grandmother and she's just older and can't get out and so this couple will like bring them to do things a lot but that's not I mean that's not necessary they just want to do that because they have now formed a relationship with these siblings and love spending time with them, but that's not a necessity. You know, you don't have to, you know, we don't require that in any way, shape or form because you're, you're not there to be a mentor for the kids. You're not there to be their friend. You're not there to be their parent. Your number one thing is to be a voice for them in court. So, I mean, I think most people that do this just have a passion for kids and they love kids. So of course they're going to end up having a relationship with the child. How could you not? But if you do just want to come in and do the bare minimum, that's all that you need to do is just speak with everyone and get an idea of what's going on and then go make your recommendations in court. So it just really depends on the case and it's hard to gotcha. give you an exact answer, I guess. On average, you know, this is not a 10 hour a week, you know, position that someone's volunteering for. This is skip a show once a week and you probably made up enough time you know, throughout the course of a month. Yeah, and as someone that um, our training coordinator had described to me that the most time that you're ever really going to spend is on training because the training is so much all at once and that is going to be the most time that you spend. You know, um, so after that, really, you will never be spending as much time as that unless you want to, unless that's your choice. Tell me, what is... What's the process? Are they calling your office? Do they go online, you know, to get, you know, to get started? Like, where does, where does it start? Like if someone's listening, watching and says, you know what, I just want to get more information. You can call, you're not committed by calling just to, you know, dig or explore yeah. a little bit. That's the easy way, right? Just pick up a phone. You've got some people there. Yeah. So the, well, the easiest way is to go to our website, possibly um, because the first thing that you, we, 
require our volunteers to do is this little 30 minute virtual orientation. And um, it's, we have them, our, they're either going to be hosted by our program manager or our training coordinator, and we have them, you know, different days of the week, different times to accommodate your schedule. Um, so you sign up for that, you pick a day and time from the little drop down, and you'll get an email with a link, and it's kind of like a Zoom, you know, video call. And the, whoever's hosting it will just speak a little more about CASA, give you some more information, and then they're going to answer any questions you might have. So that's the first step. And that's zero commitment at that point. And then after that, if you decide that it's something you want to do, you fill out an application, and then our program manager or training coordinator will call you and do like a little phone, short little phone screen. And then after that, you can move on to the training. But none of that, you know, 100% commits you to the training. So I always tell people, if you're at all interested, just do the orientation. It's 30 minutes of your time. You can do it on your lunch break, after work. So we have some on Saturday mornings at like 10, 9 or 10. Sometimes they're not even 30 minutes. It just depends. So I really think that is just the best way if you're at all interested in to get something you want to do or interested in doing. Yeah, I'd encourage people to take the orientation. And then even if it's not right for you, you at least know more about it. And you can maybe spread the word to someone who that you might know that, hey, this might work a little bit better for somebody else that I know. Right, exactly. And, um, you know, when I go out and talk and do presentations or do interviews like this, if I get one volunteer out of it, I'm happy because I'm just trying to tell everyone what we do. We want everyone to know what we do. And that's the most important thing even if you don't want to volunteer just know what we do tell other people about it i feel like everyone probably knows someone in their life that would make a really great casa i mean think about parents who have kids and then their kids are out of the house maybe they just have some free time there are people that don't have kids but just like love being around kids that would be great for them um if you're retired and you're looking for something to do i mean most of our classes are employed full-time so it's definitely something you can do if you have a job, but if you're looking for, you know, if you're retired and you have some free time, it's great. Awesome. Well, I think it's definitely needed. I think the community needs it. I think these kids need it. That's the important thing. And sounds like we maybe can find some, you know, empty nesters out there that maybe have a little bit of time on their hand that can, you know, step in and, you know, they've raised and gotten, they've successfully launched some children into the world. Maybe they can come help some that need a little help. Yeah, yeah, and we do have a lot of couples that like to do it together, which I think is really cool. And we, not that we would ever turn anyone away, but we definitely always need more male volunteers. Um, only about 20% of our volunteers are male and 50% of the kids are male. And I don't know, some of these kids, they just don't really have a male role model in their life. So it, it's nice to be able to pair them up with a casa that's a male. Um, oh, not not going to turn anyone away that wants to do it. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, hopefully we can get the word out for you, you know, get some more people there. Um, anything we're forgetting? Anything? Any important dates? Um, obviously, go to the website, sign up for an orientation. Yeah, uh, go to the org for more information to sign up for an orientation. Like I said, we're going to try and do that in-person um, training class in September. Hopefully, fingers crossed, things get a little better with COVID and we can be do it and be safe. If not, we definitely will get you trained virtually. We're going to train anyone who wants to do it any way that we have to. 
Wow, that's awesome. Sarah, I always tell everybody, everybody's got more important things to do than talk to me all day. So I appreciate you making some time to uh, kind of fill us in on what's going on. So we appreciate that very much. Yeah, thank you for having me. Awesome. Well, love to have you come back. Maybe give us an update. Hopefully we found you're looking for one. Let's see if we can find you five. Let's see if we can do it. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye-bye.